Morning, everyone. I almost feel like I can't talk until the lights come on. I don't know why that is. Well, it's great to see you this morning. So good, so good. I know that summer's a busy time and got people coming and going and all around, but it's really good to see you. And I want to welcome everybody that's, uh, of course, here, but then also those that will watch us on YouTube later on. I know I've even uh, kind of taken a couple glimpses at the channel myself, and uh, our production team does a really good job of kind of making all that work, and I don't know how it works, but it just ends up on YouTube somehow. So I'm so grateful for them in that process. Yes, we celebrated, oh my goodness. Um, two things, of course, Mark was baptized, and it was so good, and that was kind of like why we stay in the building. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool, isn't it? You know, we, I, I hate spending money on buildings and stuff like that. It's just kind of part of a necessary thing, you know? but at the same time understand the need for that. And we were able to kind of complete that project, put it behind us now, and now it's kind of protected for many years to come. And I'm sure there'll be some other faucet will break or something else we'll need, or of course we're gonna be continually need that. But we do that all to be able to present truth and share the gospel with our community, right? And it was so good to see Mark baptized and be part of that with him and celebrate with him. But that's why we're here, right? That's why we do what we do. That's why we go out in the byways and the highways of our jobs and our families and all of the things that we're involved in all the other six days of the week, right? So um, I, I pray that you're encouraged by that as well. Um, if you want to open your Bibles to John 16, that's where we're going to be today. I know it's a weird thing to say open your Bibles to younger people, so uh, open your apps for you younger people. But I'm always gonna encourage you to have a Bible. Um, always. Um, paper version. Um, you might not use it here sitting in the church, but I would hope you would. But you may not use it here. We always have the words on the screen for you and you're able to see them. But when you get home, uh, there's nothing like sitting down uh, and getting a quiet time in uh, your day and your week and just to really let the Lord speak to you personally. Uh, you'll hear the Lord speak, I hope, this morning. We'll be praying for that. But at the same time, I'm really hoping that you allow him to speak to you every single day uh, by opening up his word as well. So uh, John 16, we're going to be in there today. Uh, we know over, over the last five weeks or so, we've been talking about the enemy. I don't know if I've ever given so much time to the enemy before. Um, but I do that, or we've done that as a church for a few weeks now, because I think sometimes we can kind of just think he's not even real. But if you've been a Christian for any length of time or not even a Christian, you're still trying to find your way to Jesus Christ, this world is rough, and uh, there's no way it's going to be rough without having an enemy. So we've been going over that. We know that we have an enemy in the world, and we talked about how that was like our external pressures from the culture and things of that nature. We know that we have an enemy through our flesh. That's us. We're our own enemy sometimes, and uh, we allow the world and and ultimately, the devil, we know, is the leader of the whole bandwagon, right? 
We know that he's behind all this. That, but he is not uh, outside of the realm of having God uh, over him. So God uses even the enemy uh, for his purposes and uh, for his glory, and I hope you know that. So I don't want you to be scared off by him. But at the same time, for the last few weeks, we've been reviewing for, with a purpose. So we know why, or we know that we have them, and we know why we have enemies. If you are, um, we've been talking a lot about the soldier and the army. If you're in God's army, that's why you have an enemy. Uh, we went over that uh, last week a little bit, just talking about once you give your life to Christ, all of a sudden you jump ship to the other side. And he doesn't like that. And his whole purpose for you and, is to take you out. Uh, we, act, we actually talked about inactive duty, using the soldier term. Uh, how many times have we been taken out by the enemy because we just either caved to the world or to the flesh or to the devil himself? Um, we also know God didn't leave us stranded, right? He gave us strength to endure, and by the power of his might, we are able to stand against the enemy. We talked about the armor of God and all the different pieces and that we needed to not only just pick them up, but to actually put those pieces on. But they are in his power and in his might that we are able to stand against the enemy. So um, i got a question for you this week. Are you ever discouraged by the battle? You know, does, do you ever wonder, is this thing ever going to end? It doesn't seem like we're winning. We struggle, we fight, we, we get done with one battle and we go, phew, glad that one's over and another one starts. Do you ever feel that way? I know I do. Um, do you ever ask yourself the question, who wins? We just got to sing about who wins today. I hope you believe that, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But it can get weary fighting. That's why we have to do things in the power of his might and in his strength. You ever ask yourself if you're on the winning side? It seems like some days I'm not sure. Um, what I'm really hoping today is that as we look to the scriptures that these things will be clear. Uh, that we'll, we'll know where victory comes from. And we know that God has promised us that victory. So let's pray together and add, ask God to speak those things to us today, okay? Lord, thank you um, for being you. Just for being the all-existent one. Thank you that you know everything. Thank you that... Lord, that um, there isn't anything that goes on in our fights and our battles that you're unaware of. Lord, um, knowing that we can come to you at any moment, at any time, multiple times in an in a, in a hour, that is so comforting, Lord, that um, you are there. So, Lord, what we're asking today is that you just encourage us through your word. That's why you left it here. That's why we have it, that... Um, Somehow we're encouraged that the fight won't go on forever and that you have won and that we can partake in this victory with you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. So, um, do you worry about these battles? Like, um, do you lay awake at night thinking about 
the battles? I know I do. Um, I worry about things that my family is involved in. I worry about you guys. I think about the battles that you fight. I know we're on a, um, you know, if you ever want to be part of our prayer chain here, you can definitely uh, talk to Nick or myself about that and get on that. But right now we're praying for Jamie, who usually prays, uh, excuse me, who usually uh, sings up here, plays guitar. He lost his father this week. and so we're praying for that family, and we're praying for this family and that family, and there's just so many battles going on at any given time. It's just like, does this keep you awake at night? Do you worry about these things? I know I have from time to time. Uh, one of the reasons that we stress out so much in any given situation is that we don't know the end. You know, like if you knew the end that everything was just going to work out all, all okie-dokie, <laughs> all fine, you know, you'd probably not stress out, right? Whether that is a work problem, whether that is a family problem, whether that is a spiritual thing you're going through, if you could just know that everything just kind of works out in the end, we probably wouldn't worry so much, would we? Um, it's always the fear of the, the unknown. Um, in the case of our enemy, God's taking care of that. Uh, I know we've been talking a lot about him um, but I want you to understand today, and it's kind of the point, is that God has promised victory. This is a promise we can stand on. This is something that we can believe in. And this is something that we can use to fight off those times of uncertainty and worry and stress that whatever we're going through now, uh, God is on our side. We, spoke, uh, we sang about that today. He is. If you're a Christ follower, if you've committed your life to him, uh, he is on, we're on his side. And victory is in our midst. So, um, the two things that I find out that we usually stress out about is uh, when it comes to um, wondering about promised victory is that we're either not informed that victory or we're uninformed that victory is already happening. It's already there. It's there for us. We're either uninformed or we know about it and we lack the faith to walk in it, walk in victory. Uh, Oswald Chambers says, um, all our fret and worry is caused by calculating without God. And think about that. Um, when you worry and what you're, when we're fretting, we're thinking because the victory needs to depend on us. We have to get it done. We have to make this thing happen or we have to uh, win this battle. Uh, we've been talking all along that we can't defeat the enemy on our own. We will lose. Uh, we need to do this in the power of God. So as we move forward uh, today, I cannot stress enough the importance of having our Bibles. Um, during the week, all week, and I want to make sure that you guys, if, if, if you don't have a Bible and, or you're wondering about what translation to read or what you need, come and see myself or Nick and we can guide you in that path. We have some Bibles at the cafe. We'd gladly just give you one or help you find one uh, that you can have. So six of the other days of the week, you can have that thing opened up with a, a cup of coffee or whatever it is you like and study the, the Word of God. So let's go to John 16. And these are some words of Jesus um, 
after he goes through a whole thing with the disciples that are closest to him, that he is getting ready to leave. He doesn't go into detail, really, that he's going to go and um, sacrifice his life for the sins of the world. He doesn't come out and say that. And the questions that the disciples are always asking him are things that are going, man, why are you speaking to us in all this hyperboles and this strange figurative language? Why are you speaking to us like that? And he says, well, basically in my words, he says, well, if I told you what I was doing now, your head would like blow up and you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't understand what's going on. Uh, he says, you will get it later. And he talks about the, the Holy Spirit coming to comfort them and to be part of and come and dwell in them. And he, he speaks about all these things. But the point here is that even the closest to Jesus at this time were stressing out. They were having struggles. They were, they were, they were wondering about what's next. Because Jesus started talking about, I need to go away and back to the Father where I came from. And they're going, what are you talking about all this stuff? He says, I thought you are going to be the Messiah, the King of the world, and you're going to make all things right. And he's basically saying, I'm going to make all things right but uh, you're not going to understand the way I'm making things right. So he says this in John 16, He says, these things I have spoken to you that in me, underline that if you got your Bible, you may have what? Peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. The Apostle John recorded Jesus' words, of course. They're words of encouragement uh, to these closest to him, his followers. But I pray that this morning that they do the same for us. Uh, these are some 2,000-year-old words. But the words that Jesus is saying here today can bring comfort to us today as well. We can get so wrapped up into the stresses of this world and living in this world, but may you have encouragement today just based on that one verse. If, I'd, if we never repeated anything else this morning, we never talked about anything else this morning, this one verse could help you get through at least a month. <laughs> at least a month. Uh, the purpose of his words um, really are to what? To bring peace to his disciples, and that's what I hope they do um, to you as well. Um, soon Jesus is going to go to the cross. They didn't understand this stuff like I said it, but not only that, being a disciple of this world will bring the same persecution, the same troubles that were coming to Jesus' disciples. What I mean by that soon Jesus would be crucified. They would pledge their allegiance to Jesus, knowing that that same thing could happen to them. That's the world they were living in. We may not suffer those types of persecutions, but they're still there. They're just in a different way. In other words, you may be hated, persecuted in some way. You're not probably going to be tortured, men, you know, in a way that, you know, someone's going to be whipping you or chaining you or any of those things. Those things may still come and probably are going to come for believers in Christ before the end is, is, is here. But for today, ours are different. Um, 
you find it hard sometimes to share with a guy at work because he's not going to invite you to lunch anymore. Uh, sounds like a, a, a small persecution. But those things, are relationships are important to us. Uh, friends, relatives, people that we care about, when we begin to tell them about how we're following Jesus and that they should too, or we want to share them when we are per persecuted in different ways. I remember that when I first came to Christ, that I had a group of guys I'd go to lunch with. That's why I bring that up. They were always inviting me to lunch as part of the gang, right? Well, once I came to Christ, it was like awesome to be a Christ follower. And I would begin to try to share that with them. And, and then they would ask me questions. Why are you going to church? Why are you doing this thing? What are you doing these things for? And, and what I would share the best I could as a young believer. But Jesus changed my life, and I want that for you too. But not everybody wants that. Or but not everybody understands that yet. And so... Sooner or later, what happened with me was is that I didn't get invited to lunch anymore. And I understood that was just part of the transition. I wish I would have been able to reach them for Christ and maybe a seed was planted and I, I don't know. But at the same time, uh, God brought me a whole other family, a uh, family of brothers and sisters that do love him. And that's why we're here today. But we all suffer persecutions in one way or another. It just not might be the dramatic ones like we read in the Bible. Now, if you go outside the United States and some other foreign countries, and if you've ever been on mission trips or been other places, these types of persecutions still exist. And uh, I have a good friend that loved a pastor in India. I just visited a couple years ago. And it's literally, we had to watch where we were going because uh, in, in what we were saying because of these persecutions. And he has still been dragged out of his house. His dad's been dragged out of his house. And their church has been invaded. Uh, and things like this still happen to this day. And so just to let you know, they are going on. But that may not be us. But there are still these things going on. So as soon as you attach yourself to Jesus Christ, in this world, you will have tribulations. Now... You could be a closet Jesus follower, like you're the only one that knows it kind of Jesus follower, and you're probably not going to suffer much persecution at all. You know, you're still going to get invited to lunch, you're gonna, your family doesn't really care, um, you know, if you're a Jesus follower because they don't even know. That's the other side of the coin. For us today, following Jesus will bring these things in for sure if we are sharing him. In this world, we will have tribulation. We will have trouble. Um, the struggle with it is, is that the world, when I say the world, and when I mean those that don't yet know Christ, they don't really know how much Jesus loves them. I don't know how you came to Christ, but that was the killer for me. Uh, when I found out how, Jesus, how much Jesus loved me, it wasn't the, the, the love of God I always knew about. I always knew about God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I knew that, but it was here. And when I, that really made that transition for me, guess what happened? I was just overwhelmed. And so when I talk about the world, I always have hope for the world because I was in the world one day, once. And you were probably in the world as well. 
So the idea that one day they may, become, they may come to Christ is hopeful for me. So when I talk to, about them, I don't talk to, about the world in a negative way. Um, I want it to be a positive thing that maybe yet they will come. But at any rate, there will be opposition. Um, so that kind of rejection, has it ever made you question whether you're not on the right side? Like when everybody around you is like, oh man, I don't want to be around John anymore. He's not so fun. He doesn't like to engage in these things and he doesn't like to go to that party anymore. He doesn't like to watch those kinds of things anymore because, you know, God starts to work on us and, right? And, and, and he changes from the inside out and those things come out on their outside and who we are. But has it ever made you wonder uh, if you're doing the right thing? Like, man, everybody else is over here. Why do I feel like, like I'm right here all by myself some days? Has following Jesus brought troubles into your life? I hope so. I hope so. Because the scripture we just read says what? In this world you will have troubles, tri tribulation. But I hope that it's because of Jesus that your troubles are coming into your life. Uh, I've made plenty of trouble on my own. No Jesus involved. Um, I hope that if you have troubles, it's because of Jesus. Uh, question for you. When did God first promise victor victory over Satan? Do you know that? So we're going to do a little Bible education. If you don't know that, let's go to Genesis if we can. Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, uh, 3.15. I love this verse because it kind of sneaks in there. You don't really even know what it's under, you know, really talking about until you kind of set and think about it. Genesis 3.15 says this, And I will put enmity between you and, wom and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Uh, this verse is a curse. This is a curse directly to Satan. So we got Adam and Eve caving to the temptations of the devil, of Satan himself, in the form of a serpent, and that's going to come to play here. He's a, the serpent, the slippery one, I call him, the, the sly one. He's convinced them to rebel against God in sin. God immediately goes right to Satan, says, because you've done this, this is what's going to happen. And he says some things like he's going to put enmity between Satan and the woman. Well, that word enmity really just means opposition. So God has a plan right from the beginning when sin entered the world that there was going to be opposition to what Satan was doing. And so we find that in the very first book of the Bible. This opposition would be between Satan's offspring and the offspring of the woman. So each are going to have offspring. Well, you go, wait a second. Satan has, he's a spiritual being. I can't see him. He's in another realm. You mean he's, he has offspring? Yes, he has offspring. Not only did he convince a third of the angels to defect, and those are his offspring, but there are others. And those are those that are convinced that he's the way to go in this life. So when I talk about the world, basically they're under his power, under his rule. 
and those are his offspring. I was once an offspring of the devil because I wasn't on the side of God. I was on the devil's side. Eve's offspring, we know who they are, right? All mankind, never born. Those are her offspring. So um, Eve's offspring are every child that Adam and Eve had and then every child that they had and, every, you know, where the tree goes on, right? The only problem with that tree is that they are born in sin. So when you and I were born, we were born right in sin, right out of the gate. And if you ever want to see that played out in real life or you're struggling with that, no, oh, my sweet little child, my sweet little baby is not a sinner, is not born into sin. They got to learn how to do that. Um, sometimes our child's first word are no before they are mom or dad. You ever notice that? Where does that come from? Did you teach your child how to say no? No. Where did that come from? That child was born in sin. That the sin nature of that child, of you and me, is to say no, is to rebel against the things of God. So, likewise, like I said, um, Satan has offspring. Let's, let's kind of look at them. John 8, says this. You are the father, you are of your father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources for he is a liar and the father of it. It's um, interesting. God was not going to let Satan just carry all of us off with no fight. I hope you realize that. Adam and Eve went into sin, right? God had to separate Adam and Eve, kicked them out of the garden because of sin. Sin and holiness are not, they can't coexist. But God didn't want to just leave his children wander off into oblivion. He did something about it. He made a plan about it. So God had promised victory right from the very beginning. God said his opposition, he said, would um, bruise or strike, that word means strike really, it can, can mean both, Satan's head. Um, whereas Satan would only bruise or strike at the heel of the opposition. Um, this is best understood, this scenario for me, is that when I think of Satan as a snake, as a serpent, because that's the imagery we get um, in the Bible. I don't know about you, if you're walking through the woods one day and a snake bites at your heel or nips or strikes at your heel, I don't know how you react, but the next, it's, I, I, I know this is biblical now that I read this, I crushed the head of that snake. I hate snakes. That's the imagery that we got here, is that although the snake will strike at the heel of mankind or even at, at the heel of Jesus Christ, and that is shown in the cross, the enemy thought he won the day that Jesus went to the cross, didn't he? He thought he, that's why he was putting Jesus there. He thought this was all part of his plan. He doesn't know God's plan, but he thinks that he wins. So he's, in comparison, he strikes at the heel of Jesus. 
And Jesus turns and crushes the head of the serpent. And how does Jesus crush the head of the serpent? Well, God does that by raising Jesus Christ from the dead after the enemy struck at his heel. So we know God has the power to raise Jesus from the dead, and we too, believing in Christ, can be raised from the dead. We can be resurrected in newness of life. We saw that was Mark's uh, dedication to his life after he was baptized, or after he was saved, he was baptized, and his dedication to walk in newness of life, we can do that too. But then there's a, not only the newness of this life, but there's the eternal life that we will share with Jesus Christ our Lord because of our confession of sin, of sin and repentance of it. So what would you do if the snake struck at your heel? How do you react? Do you try to crush it? Do you try to react in some way? Well, right now, if it's actually Satan striking at your heel, you're pretty much powerless. We've been learning that, right? It's not going to be in the power of our might or our strength, but in the Lord's. So we turn to the cross. Um, 2 Timothy 1, verses 8. I didn't have the guys put this up on the screen. I'm going to go through um, 2 Timothy 1, 8, and 9 first, and then we're going to jump to verse 10. But I, I felt I needed a little bit of context here how um, Jesus defi- uh, defeated uh, Satan that day. It says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. And this is Paul speaking to young Timothy. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purposes and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. So before time began, excuse me, this was God's plan. Before time even began, before sin came in the world, all-knowing God, says, I got a plan because I know how man's going to react. I'm going to get him back, though. And I'm going to do that through Jesus Christ. So 2 Timothy 1.10 says this, but has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death, wiped it out, and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, through the good news. Yes, So this is the promised victory that God has for the seed of the woman. Although his final crushing blow, we won't really see that until Revelation 20 is really kind of worked out and been completed. Revelation Revelation 20 talks about how for a thousand years Satan's going to be locked up and then he's going to be released one more time uh, to kind of play in God's plan of cleaning up sin altogether. And then Satan's going to be uh, cast into hell forever. But so the final battle won't be won till then. But until then, uh, Jesus fixes all the pieces. And my stupid humor, I wrote this little note to myself today or this week. is Jesus fixes all the pieces, not like individual pieces, but all the pieces, P-E-A-C-E-S. So you... 
I'll explain. Uh, psychological peace is one of the things that Jesus fixes. Um, this is the comfort that comes from within. You know, we don't have peace sometimes inside. And that's because we're struggling with something or we're battling with something. And it's usually, uh, if we're outside of the realm of Jesus or outside of God's plan, sometimes that's the wrestle we have. So he fixes that one. He also fixes the relational peace that we need to have with people. Um, and then there's the third one, the, the, the most important peace is that spiritual peace. And that's because we don't have or we do have peace with God. Uh, that's between God and man, that peace. So Jesus fixes all those pieces. Remember, his words are this. He said that I, I say these things so that you might have peace. So um, receive the spiritual peace. Uh, I like this in my head. I was thinking about this this week. Receive the spiritual peace, and you get the other two as a bonus. So we get, get, make it right with God, and then all of a sudden our human relationships start to just kind of ease up a little bit more, don't they? We seem to become at peace with them, and also the peace inside. So why is, the, why is this a future victory? Do you, ever want, do you ever ask this question, God, why don't you just come and mop things up right now? Let's just get it done. We'll all celebrate in heaven for all of eternity. Why don't, why don't we just do that? Has God forgotten? Do you ever wonder that? Did God forget about his promise that he's going to make all this? Or is it even really true? Well, 2 Peter 3.9 says this, the Lord is not slack concerning his what? Promise. As some count as slackness, but is long-suffering towards us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You see the love of God in that verse. We can get an attitude, can't we, when we come to Jesus. All of a sudden, we're kind of high and mighty, and we think, all right, I'm saved, but come on, Jesus, just clean up the act right now. Let's, let's get rid of all the rest of the sinners, and let's make this a nice world, and let's Get all this create recreation that you promised. Let's just make it happen today. That is not the heart of our God. Our God, his desire, his will, is that all should come to repentance. So we can get this attitude, but we, the scripture tells us that God suffers long or is long-suffering. Um, he suffers a long time. He suffered a real long time with me. And I am so glad that God suffered long with me. Um, I think, do you ever think about this? What happens if God would have came back, if he would have come and mopped all things up the day before you got saved? Think about that. I shudder at that. I am so grateful to our loving God that he suffered long and waited for me to come to repentance. You know, God knows every man, woman, and child that will ever come to repentance. He knows this. And so he's waiting for that very last one. 
And I often, I often wonder about that, who the last one in is going to be, you know? Like we'll be in heaven celebrating and kind of shaking hand with the last guy in, you know? Just saying, "Woo, <laughs> we made it. But that's God's long suffering, isn't it? He suffers long. He loves us. He, he, he desires that none should perish. Um, we must remember God's will. I think that's important in all this thing. Until the actual idea that the victory's coming, until then, we are called to spread the gospel and make disciples. Uh, Matthew 28. Uh, we know that verse, Matthew 28, 29, called the Great Commission, tells us to go out and the highways and the byways and our little families and our communities and our state and our country and the world and spread the gospel, making disciples of everyone, teaching them um, all things that um, he taught. He tells us to baptize. Praise the Lord, we baptized last week. But that's what he, our call as Christians is. So until then, that's the stuff we're supposed to be doing. Until then, we've been given a spiritual advantage. And we talked about that last week. If you're a believer in Christ, you have the armor of God. You have, it's there for you to endure, to stand against all the schemes of the devil. Unfortunately, so many of us as Christians, we don't ever, we know kind of a little bit about the armor but we know that it's just kind of sitting there. It looks like a pile of junk to me. I never put it on. I, I never pick it up, never put it on. And then we never pray. Uh, until then, we are to be of good cheer. Uh, why are we to be of good cheer? Remember at the beginning, I said that there was anxieties when we don't know the end, the outcome. Well, let's praise the Lord today. We know the outcome. He has overcome he went to the cross, he shed his blood, he defeated uh, death, hell, and the grave so that you and I can have peace. So be of good cheer. We don't have to go around like a bunch of pouting Christians and sad, sad sacks because the world isn't turning out the way we want it to turn out. In this world, we will have trouble. But Jesus says, be of good cheer. The thing that he also says that in that um, John 16 scripture that we said, that in him the victory was possible. Victory is only in Jesus. I hope you know that. that there, that's the only way that we overcome the world. Um, probably one of the greatest schemes that the enemy has and that it works is this, is that he doesn't, um, I'll say he's convinced a vast majority of people in the world that there's no war at all. There's nothing to worry about. That somehow, some way, everything's just going to work out. You ever talk to anybody like that? You know, they have, maybe you watch the news and watch all the trouble that's going on in the world and you speak to somebody about that and they just said, oh, I just believe that somehow it's all going to work out. It's not. Only in Jesus do we have victory. Only in Jesus do we, are we able to claim that victory. Not everybody overcomes. That's a scary thought to me. Not everybody is going to share in the victory that Jesus has. Um, although it's proclaimed that way sometimes, even from church um, pulpits, I'm sad to hear. But 
Jesus loved, or God loved the entire world, and Jesus died for the entire world, but only those that believe in him will not perish and have everlasting life. So there is some urgency to our concern here. Uh, 1 John 5, 4 says this, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Only those who are born of God overcome the world. The world is full of temporal things and competes for all of our desires. But the person that lives by faith in God, all of a sudden, those things that used to be really important and take all of our time and money and energy and we put all this effort into, all of a sudden, God begins to lift those scales, doesn't he? And those things just aren't important anymore. And that's the, the tricks of the enemy. One of his greatest tricks is that don't worry, everything's going to be okay. But the scriptures tell us different. That those, uh, only through the power of faith is God's promise in, um, and future victory realized. So, who is it who overcomes the world? He who believes in Jesus, that Jesus is the Son of God. Only those who look to the cross of Jesus Christ share in the victory of the cross. I'll say that again, only those that look to the cross can share in the victory of the cross. The victory is in Jesus, and I don't know how many times I kept saying the victory in Jesus this, my, this week while studying and just praying through this whole thing, and it was so hard for me not to think about the hymn. Uh, maybe you just did that as well, victory in Jesus. Well, I, I took a section of the, re, the refrain part of that, and I just want to recite it to you because Jennifer would be very upset if I tried to sing. So I'm going to say this. It says, I heard an old story, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. Um, isn't it interesting that through even like singing of our songs and if they're, they got a biblical context to them and based around scripture that they can speak to you. The, the person that wrote this hymn says, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. And when you read that you go, they didn't win no victory. They didn't do nothing. All they did is repented of their sin. Remember, Jesus won the victory, right? Victory is in Jesus. And it seems almost unfair that all we have to do is repent. But the fact, the truth is, that is exactly the truth, is that once we are willing to come to Christ and repent and turn from our sins, we win the victory. If you think that victory in Jesus is only a New Testament idea, then we're already proven wrong by Genesis 3.15, right? But I would also like to share with you, my wife reminded me of this. She had no idea what I was really basing the, the, the scripture around today, but she reminded me of the Numbers 21 section of our scriptures. So let's look to that today. 
It says this in Numbers 21, verse 4. It says, then they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the soul of the peoples became very discouraged on the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our souls loathe this worthless bread. So the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned, we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord. He's, they're asking Moses to pray to God that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people. Then the Lord uh, said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole and it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and so it was. If a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. Although this event was 1,500 years before Jesus even went to the cross, um, this was always the way that God was going to fix it. It was always the way that God was going to uh, have victory over Satan um, and over death and sin and hell. And so Jesus himself says to Nicodemus when it's kind of cool, Jesus is witnessing. Wouldn't that be weird being Jesus, like witnessing yourself to someone? You know, like you and me, we know, we know what Jesus has done in our lives, right? We know how he's changed it and what he's done for us, but Jesus had to do it differently, right? He's kind of like, you know, I'm God, and, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to believe that. So he's got to tell them, like, different ways. And he says this to um, Nicodemus, who was a religious leader and would know the scriptures that I just read. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's talking about his journey to the cross. And it's in that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So, does everyone get to join in the victory? Only those who look to the cross. Um, 1 John 5.12 says this, He who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. Does that stir you? Does that bother you? You may be here today that, you know, this is a thing you've settled with the Lord, you've made your peace with the Lord, and you understand it. But does it, do you struggle with the idea that there's somebody that you know, somebody you love, somebody you care for, does not have life yet? I know it messes with me, and I really believe that that's probably the power in today's message for me. Yeah, there's victory in Jesus, for sure. There's victory in Jesus. But is that just for me? No, that's for everybody. But part of our time, why Jesus hasn't come and the victory isn't final yet, is that we are part of the plan of victory for others. Somebody told you about Jesus. 
Somebody did. You either heard it, you read it by something that somebody wrote, you maybe went to the Bible, but somehow, some way, somebody told you about Jesus. So it should move us, it should mess with our heads and our hearts. So as we kind of wrap it up here today, I'm going to have David come up, and like we do every single week these days, I want to give you some time to think about what was said today. Uh, think about the scriptures that we went over. Um, Jesus said that he made these things known so that we would have peace. I want you to honestly answer this question. Do I have peace? Ask yourself that. I mean, be honest with you. You might be been coming to the Journey Church for five years, ten years, whatever it is. You may have been hanging out in Christian environments for many years and, never, and don't have the peace that comes through confessing your sins to the Lord and, and coming to him and repenting of those sins and asking him to be your savior. Do you, if this is you, would you be willing to look to the cross? Everybody's got to do it. If you want victory in Jesus, you've got to look to the cross. We've learned that today. You can look to the cross today by walk, just talking to God. Um, I think sometimes we make a little too much of like how it's got to be kind of fancy and maybe praying in the King James language and and, and just say, hey, I, this is me, I'm a sinner. I need saving. I can't save myself. I'm sorry for my sins. Would you please forgive me? Those are the things, that's all you have to really say to the Lord. And if we believe scripture, which I do, God says that he is willing to forgive us of our sins and that we can share in that victory of eternal life. If you're already a child of God and you've been discouraged lately by the troubles of this world, I think our encouragement today is to remain steadfast and unmovable during the trials of life, but for a reason. Um, followers of Jesus aren't perfect, we know that. Victorious Christians are not sinless. Sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? But they hang on to their faith when the troubles of this world are, are on us. So be of good cheer, Christian. Victory has been promised, and it's here all at the same time. It's a future event in one way, but it's also here. You can have it today because of the faith of the one who paid it all. So, whether you're here today and you need to ask Jesus to save you or maybe you just wanna thank him for the victory that he's provided for you. Whatever the case, I thought of another hymn. I don't know why hymns this week were so prevalent in my thinking. But I thought of this one, Jesus paid it all. He says, that song says, Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. So let's take the next few minutes to think about the things that were said and what the God has said in his word. 
And I seriously ask the question today and think about that. Do you have peace? Let's take some time together and pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so grateful that before time, you knew that we would disobey. But you loved us all the same. In fact, you gave the most precious thing to you up so that you could have us back. And we're so thankful. Lord, you said that you said these things that we might have peace. I pray that every single person in this room and that'll watch this thing on YouTube and the people that we come across do have peace, that they have committed their lives to you based on your commitment to us. So Lord, as we remember your words and we remember the sacrifice that you have made on our behalf, I pray that we have victory. I pray that everyone here sees the victory and wants to be part of that. Lord, help us communicate that message to the world as we go out in our week and as we come across friends and relatives and co-workers and those that we will see. May, may the message this week be on our lips that there is victory in Jesus, no matter what they're doing, what they're struggling with, no matter what they're going through, there is victory in you. Lord, give us the strength, give us the courage to do so. We just thank you, Lord, for Jesus. It's his name we pray, amen. So as you go out this week, victory in Jesus, I promise, we're going to stop talking about the devil for a while. But I definitely wanted us to be aware, right? Of these things, he's real. He's not fake. But there's victory in Jesus. I, I think I told you guys one time, I had a pastor tell me years ago, an old pastor, he says, uh, we have a mighty enemy. He would say, he a mighty enemy. And then he would say, but we have an almighty enemy. God. And I hope you believe that today. So have a good week. Yeah.